one night I left Steve back with the kids because George was tiny at that point and I came down and it was just a group of of grown-ups having fun and that was that sounds really bad yeah (laughs) (laughs) you can see at this point I'd not had a lot of adult conversation hi we're joined by veteran motorhomer Phil Tomlinson today we absolutely are hello Phil lovely to see you I love I love being called a veteran. Makes me feel <laughs> I know how old you are. Secrets. I know, but you know when people normally say veteran, you, you sort of see, you know, an old war veteran <laughs> with his cap on and it's like war veteran Johnny, a hundred and three today. That's not how we see you, Phil. Well, I have I've been motorhoming, if you want to call it that, for thirty years now. So just over 30 years. Uh, originally, I would be what people term today to be a van lifer because I lived full-time in a van. And that's how I started out um, getting the bug for vans and uh, for wild camping in vans. I didn't know that. How long <laughs> did you live full-time in the van, Phil? Uh, I think it was about 18 months. I'm not sure because when you're that, you, you know, when you're young, you don't really count, do you? But I'm pretty sure I did two winters. Wow. We were in there for for quite a while. I ended up getting a job um, and the job came with a house and that's really when we moved out of the van. The van got parked on the drive and it was a sad day actually because it sat there for so long. Eventually it was, you know, it was a, it was a tow truck that come and or came and took it away and took it to the scrapyard. What was that first van then? It was a it was a Mark I think a Mark Three Transit and um, a friend of mine had a friend who got it for sale. They'd done it up as a day van, but uh, we lived and I worked from the van. So of a night we used to deliver pizzas for Gino's <coughs> Dialer Pizza, and uh, it meant that we used to get a free pizza at the end of the night, and so that <laughs> saved us buying dinner. And uh, in the daytime, eventually, I used to fit car alarms for a company. So we used to go around in the van in the daytime and I'd fit car alarms and then overnight you sell pizzas. But it was enough to give you the bug to stick with van life. And... Yeah, I think, I think going from um, having freedom, which to me is what um, I suppose what I term as wild camping is about, is the ability to uh, drive to wherever you want to go and stop uh, and I mean a lot of that for us was laybys on dual carriageways and uh, you know when we were living around Birmingham and, and working we had to be local to where we were where we were working we had a few places that, that we used to go. How many vans have you had between then and now do you know can you remember off the top of your head are they like children that you um, know? Uh, so we had the Frisky. Uh, we used the Frisky for a while. We actually used it as a wedding car uh, for our <laughs> wedding. After that, I had a Mazda Bongo, uh, but it just it wasn't really big enough. So we we used that for a while. And I, the the Bongos uh, in Japan actually have like a a kitchen pod that goes at the back with a compressor fridge freezer and the sink. And I brought one of those and installed it into the Bongo that I bought. Uh, but we, we just, we never got round to using it that much. I had a couple of other vans that I did little conversions on, nothing major, another transit. Um, and then eventually um, I brought a Duetto, which was a, an oldish Duetto on a, an M-Ridge. We had that for a couple of years. Uh, and then I bought a much newer, oh, actually, um, I came second in a poker tournament 
and I won 18 grand and I wanted to sort of put it into something. So, mm. and then um, I kept that until I traded it in for the uh, the Heimer B598 that I've got now. What, why why specifically did you choose that? If you, if you could have chosen anything at that point, why did you choose that one? A lot of it was to do with layout. Um, so being a big lad, some of the stuff that I struggle with with the Duetto is things like being able to use the toilet, being able to use the shower. So the so the van that we have has got a, a separate square shower cubicle which isn't with the toilet and the the bathroom. A lot of vans have like a curved door, and that's still no good for me. So and um, um, and the other thing is having a bed that we didn't have to put down. So we wanted. A little bit more room for uh, Tyler. So, the, with the being an A class, you've got that mm. big drop-down bed with the privacy curtains and all the pockets and everything up there. So, Tyler's got their own space yeah, that know. they can yeah. sort of uh, get into. So, entirely about the layout then. Layout, layout, layout. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I could have answered that really quickly. <laughs> I? Layout, but, the, but that's the thing. I was just thinking back to the first time that we met you and we came to a New Year rally, the very yes. first event, um, which was fantastic. It was a little bit it was a little bit in the deep end, I think, for in terms of I left Steve back um one night I left Steve back with the kids because George was tiny at that point and I came down and it was just a group of of grown ups having fun and that was that sounds really bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see at this point I'd not had a lot of adult conversation. It was New Year's Eve and um, we, we all brought our own drinks and there was a buffet and we had a quiz and it was a really great way to get to know new people who, who enjoy getting out in their vans as well. And yeah. to talk about van yeah. life and vans. But, and but we didn't really get to know you that trip. I think no. you were busy... Um, and it wasn't until the summer trips that we started to get to know you better and you've become like our go-to person for advice, motorhome advice, <laughs> technical advice. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just a great way to meet new people and that's sure. kind of the first. And it has been. And, and we now go to, regularly go to a few meets. We probably go to three or four at least a year. What would you say has been your best or most favouritest trip ever where have you been to that you absolutely would go again in a heartbeat i would say my the trip that i enjoyed the most was the first time that i went to orkney um yeah. i we we had a rally up there where we booked a the point and s campsite we had several meetups on the way up to scotland where the members all sort of joined together getting into a bigger group before we got there then we had the campsite booked for five nights, so we were all on the campsite. And then after that, we spent some time wilding uh, around on Orkney. While I was there, I saw orcas um, from the land, me standing there and them coming up in the, the water, and I was able to video them. And that's quite rare to see orcas, killer whales from the land. So I saw a minky whale as well. Uh, so I saw a lot of wildlife. Uh, the, how friendly the people are there was really it really warmed me to to Orkney mm. you know it's uh, it, to the point I was looking on right move for how much houses cost there because <laughs> the people were so so nice 
Um, Orkney at the moment is is the favourite trip I've ever done. Okay, and if you could pick a destination anywhere in the world and transport your van there, where would you go? Iceland. I'm I'm so with you on that. I'm desperate to do Iceland. You're not picking the warm... (laughs) <laughs> there are warmer climates, Phil. You're not picking the warm countries. Where <laughs> my ultimate trip would be that I would sort of uh, leave the the UK, go through the tunnel, work my way into Europe, over into Scandinavia, up to the Arctic Circle, and then I would then get the ferry across to the Faroe Islands with the van, and then from mm. the Faroe Islands over to Iceland. Then on the way back, I'd come from Iceland to the Faroe Islands, from the Faroe Islands to Shetland, from Shetland to Orkney, back over into Scotland and work my way back down in a loop. So that's the ultimate trip for me. Once I've done that one, it might be Canada. But for now, that that's the one mm. that I would like to do. Canada. Oh, we watch a lot of Canadian van lifers. Mm. Sure. Um, who did we watch? We on just Trentinelli. They're not Canadian. They're not Canadian. <laughs> we, watch Eamon and we watch Eamon and Beck. And Van City Van Life. Van City Van Life, Chrome and what have you. And just yeah. seeing the scenery out in Canada. Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay, if you could upgrade your van right now, what would you do? We're, we're, we're doing money, no object. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is put it all out there in the dreamland and see what comes I th- back. I think I, I think I know his answer to this. So there's a company called Unidam in Australia who build sort of not soft off-roaders, so they're not the full expedition trucks, but they're you know they're good enough to go across the Sahara Desert or any of the national parks or anything like that. And they do one called the Global Explorer, which is built on a uh, small Unimog. So it's not the huge Unimog, it's the smaller one. I think it's the, or I can't remember which one it is. But anyway, um, and I'd probably quite like that one. And one of the things that's quirky about it is that it takes a couple of seconds and you can actually swap it from left-hand drive to right-hand drive. So when you're in right-hand drive countries, you have the steering wheel that side and the pedals, and then (laughs) you can just pull a couple of levers and move it to the other side in other countries. So that is probably a really expensive van. It, you know, ludicrously expensive. I would go to you. I'd fly to Australia, speak to Unidan, and get them to make me a van. That's a, that's what I would do. And who would be besides your own family? Uh, who would you? I know because they're always going to be there. But who yeah. would you love to travel with? Is there anyone in particular that you think, like for example, Bear Grylls, would get you out of trouble? Apart, if from, apart from us, of course. Oh, apart from yeah, us. yeah. I was going to say <laughs> it's. Um, it's difficult. Um, it, it depends on which trip that you were going on. I mean, if you were going to do that sort of, um, you were doing the really cold climates and stuff like that, it'd be nice to have somebody there who really understood what you were doing and kept you out of trouble, like a local guide, if you know that. That would be a nice thing to, to do. Um, as far as personalities... Um, Probably not, actually. That's okay. You don't have to pick anyone. Right, I want to ask you about your specialist subject. and Subject? Okay. And actually, I don't. It's Steve that wants to ask you about your specialist subject. Okay. I'm not quite sure what my specialist subject is. I think it's talking, but okay. You're a bit of a techie, like myself, and I want to ask you, what is your favourite piece of tech you have in the motorhome? 
limit it to one try can you do that i would say that the most useful piece of tech i have in my motorhome is the um the wi-fi system the Mm. you know the 4g lte router and it's the most useful because all the other things that i find useful won't work if that's not working if that's not so, working, you know, oh, iPads, laptops, phones. I just said our new ZV1 vlogging camera was very important. Oh, we couldn't be shooting all these vlogs for, for our sure. viewers. So that's right up there for us for this year. Our new ZV1 vlogging camera uh, was awesome this summer, taking that around. But I agree, yep, the tech. I mean, that's no good without the laptop to be able to edit it on and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. My favourite bit of tech that we take everywhere is my Kindle, I would say. And it's probably the least necessary piece of kit because I could take a book as well. But I like the fact that when we go off for long trips, I've got several books already lined up and I can get more when I'm if I need a sure, out. Sure. What advice have you learnt yourself that you want to give to anybody who's just getting started in motorhomes? Maybe they've got their first van, they're planning their first trip. What's the first tip that you would give them? Yeah, I, I think that one of one of the things that people do when when they well some people do when the motorhoming is they over prepare, and I probably wouldn't over prepare. I would, if it's your first trip, if it's your first motorhome, find a local campsite. This is what I did um, when I got the frisky. I found a local campsite. We just went to the local campsite. It was close enough mm. to drive home if everything went wrong. Yeah, went good there, advice. stopped in the van for the mm. weekend, and made a list of everything that we needed. You know, everything that we hadn't thought of and then went and got that and put it in the van. Because there are, people will give you advice of stuff that you need and you'll end up with a van full of stuff that you don't use. It's um, a question A question I've been asked about vans and, uh, and quite often a popular one is what van's going to suit me? What do you think of this van? What van and should I buy? <laughs> the best advice given anyone looking for a new van is layout, layout, layout. I've been asked Absolute. this thousands of times. It's just, it's, I, I get a support ticket sent through to me, thinking of buying a motorhome, yep. what should I buy? What brands do you recommend? You know, all of the, and, and you can't answer it because, um, you've got to say how do you want to use your van you know they're they're all very different from each other they're massively different in budget and facilities so i know people that have bought vans not considered too much about the layout and after kind of a month or two going away one or two times they've said you know what we're going to sell the van and get another one so definitely consider layout 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 when choosing a van is it even worth renting there, there are several rental companies that you can go to and, and actually maybe just take it out for a weekend and see if that works. If maybe if you only if you get cheesed off on the second night of making a bed up, then you know a fixed bed is what you need. Here's sure. the thing, right, this is going off off page a little bit. Um so over this last year and with the situation there have been so many more people buying motorhomes. There's a real new thread an influx of people who are who are joining this community or or just buying a motorhome and going exploring on their own um how do you think that's going to impact motorhoming in the uk and and how we've motorhomed in the past versus 
what opportunities are going to be open for the future. Covid's had a, a, a couple of impacts on, on motorhoming um, because at the moment people are looking more towards staycations, they're looking at buying motorhomes and using them in the UK uh, for a period of time let's say, you know. Now that's it's pushed motorhome prices up, it's mm. made it harder for people to buy new motorhomes at the moment because order books mm. are filling up. But it's the 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 positive impact that it's had is that people being unhappy with people while camping in their local area because of the pandemic has now started to bear fruits with uh, the National Trust have announced this week that they're looking at allowing motorhomes to use their sites. Um, the Highland Council has announced that they're now looking at putting in yes. European style airs in the highlands um so there's been there's been an impact where it looks like campsites are going to be full campsites are going to be more expensive Mm. because it's supply and demand unfortunately um uh but on the opposite side of that we may now end up over the next few years with uh, a network of airs within the UK, which are cheaper for people to use. And so there is a positive to it. I know Campra are working really hard to to get these airs and to to document them where people can go. So it's sort of a bit Mm. bit bittersweet. For me, I don't use campsites very often, so then becoming more expensive and more full isn't a uh, a great problem to me at all, to be honest. I love the idea that that money that they could receive could be invested in for example the national trust properties the the gardens all all those places that have taken a real hit this year through um absolute limited visitor numbers this could be quite a nice way for them to um boost income going forwards love that i think it's great i think we've got an opportunity as a as a motor homing community to prove to these if you like governing bodies and and uh, even companies that there's a benefit to mm. having us there um, through income, through us tidying up the places for them, picking up litter and, and yeah. bringing money into the local communities. Um, describe your perfect park-up. Uh, my perfect park-up would be <laughs> side on to a beach, little bit of grass before mm. the sand mm-hmm. for sitting outside on, a nice bay, something moving yeah. past like ships or boats so that you've got something to look at. How do you find your park-ups? Well, funnily enough, Steve, there's this great <laughs> website that I own called Wild Camping <laughs> where we have an app that gives you locations. Uh, so primarily I would use that because it's it's part of the system, the services I provide to motorhomers. And also on Wild Camping, we have a full member only section where people will share locations. So say I was going to a particular area of the country, say part of Scotland, I would go in there and I'd post a message and say, hi guys, I'm going to wherever it happens to be. Uh, Tell me the places that I absolutely cannot miss when I go there. So that's it. So one, I'll look on the Wild Camping app. Two, I ask in the full member area of wild camping 
what is the non you know what should I miss when I'm in a certain place we'd better make sure we put the link below this then Absolutely. hadn't we <laughs> guys I'm going to put the link below um, for this it's wildcamping.co.uk and motorhomer.com so, so go and have a look at Phil's websites that he runs um, we're members there we find that there's a very very useful resource so um, and if you do decide a full membership it's, it's less than £20 a year so mm. it's great value also, Phil um, has just started a new YouTube channel, um, Philip Tomlinson. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you might want to go over there and take a look. If you've never come across Phil before, he's he has been our main go-to man for gadgets and tech and motorhomes. Right. Well, I think um, I think we'll leave it there, and I want to thank you for being our first guest um, on this, Phil. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> it's been really interesting, as it always is, talking to you.